Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you're not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright. Very pleased you've joined us today, and we'd like to welcome as our guest today, Case Eichenberger, Portfolio Manager for CLS Investments. He speaks to us from the headquarters in beautiful Omaha, Nebraska, right down the street from Warren Buffett. Case, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks, Charlie. It's uh, it's good to be on, yeah. So KCLS manages several mutual funds and separately managed accounts. Typically, you guys act as sub-advisors to advisors, so you have some uh, direct client investors, but most of the work you do is with other advisors, correct? Yeah, that's right. We, we really work with um, upwards of 3,000 financial advisors around the whole United States, really with independent broker-dealers and registered investment advisors. Well, if you work with 3,000-plus uh, investment advisors, you have our condolences here, Case. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, full of challenges and opportunities. And you are the portfolio yeah. manager for the American Funds Strategy. So let's start with, uh, give us a brief history of CLS, will you? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So CLS, um, really a long-standing history in the industry um, as a fee-only fiduciary RIA, like you said, based in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, we've been around for upwards of coming up on 30 years now, started in 1989, and really working as a pioneer in the fee-based industry with those financial advisors and helping them with um, their clients with professional money management. Um, it really kind of started with picking mutual funds. And then in the um, late 90s, early 2000s, we were one of the first um, to really recognize the uh, the new technology, if you will, or the investment power of exchange-traded funds. So ever since then, we've been managing exchange-traded fund portfolios, mutual fund portfolios, um, for just over 35,000 investors and about $7 billion in assets under management. Okay, and you guys, it's all over your website, and you guys tout risk budgeting. Define that right. for us, will you? Yeah, risk budgeting. Um, we, we like to think of it in a, a couple different ways, but um, it's really everybody you know probably listening is really familiar with a the concept of a financial budget, right? So the whole goal is to spend the optimal amount, but never more, never less. The risk budget really is no different um, for us as risk allocators and risk managers. We always want to keep online with the risk budget the client mentions um, they're comfortable with. So we never want to underspend their risk or overspend their risk because if we start taking on too much risk or too little risk, um, we find that they don't um, stay disciplined with their financial plan. So um, it all comes down to managing that risk out there in the marketplace. And how do you measure that risk here, Case? Yeah, so what we say by risk um, really is some statistical measures. So it's our view that a lot of people may use just a stock-to-bond ratio, but some stocks are obviously more risky or more volatile than other stocks, right? Small caps, large caps, for example. Same with bonds, high-yield bonds, treasuries are definitely taking on different types of risks. So when we look at it, we will um, measure the relative standard deviations um, of the past three or five years 
of those individual assets relative to a global stock market. We'll also measure the beta of that security and the maximum um, drawdown of that security to um, a global stock market. So the stock market is our baseline, uh, and, and everything we measure around it has to do with uh, the stock market. So bonds are going to be obviously a lower risk score than the stock market, but you're going to have some stocks, um, some areas of the market, like small caps, emerging markets, that will be, on average, more risky than the overall stock market. So tell us, more Case, uh, how do you measure a client's and investor's um, appetite for risk? Yeah, it, it takes into several different variables. Um, we have a risk uh, risk budget questionnaire is what we call it. So there's about, um, I think, seven or eight questions that the client will fill out, hopefully honestly, um, with maybe the help of their financial advisor to help us determine how much risk they're comfortable with. So really, it, it there's several questions that talk about the emotional aspect of risk, just fundamentally how much risk can you handle on a scale of 1 to 10? Or if you had the opportunity of making X amount of dollars and losing this amount of dollars, would you do it? Um, so more emotionally, which is obviously a very important part of it, but we also want to talk about the financial side of it too because um, a lot of clients and financial advisors, we're all working typically in that accumulation stage up to retirement. So you may have to take on a little bit more risk than what you're emotionally comfortable with to try to get those goals. So it's trying to find that right balance between that, um, between your emotional risk and your financial risk. And we find that tweaking our questionnaire um, really helps us get to, to the best point. So tell us, Case, uh, the result of the questionnaire, is it a score like a 48 or a 72, or it is a category you're a moderately conservative investor or something like that? Yeah, it's going to be a uh, precise score. So we, uh, the, the maximum we will manage for a client is a 100 risk, a 100 risk budget. So that means they scored out as aggressively as you can, and they have plenty of cash on the sidelines to handle financial emergencies and to not touch this money. So 100 is the highest. That's basically, think about it, that's all the volatility of the global stock market. Um, but it'll go down in between there. Obviously, most clients are not um, at that 100 range. You know, most people are in the what we call a 60 and 70 range, which would be that moderate, aggressive tilt um, where you get a good mixture of stocks and bonds. But then there's the other side of the spectrum where we have a lot of conservative clients too. Just, you know, I, people don't need to take on that much risk or they just can't handle that much risk um, or that much volatility. So they'd be more down in the 20 and 30 range. So, yeah, it's a precise number. And then um, we fill in the the investment mix based on the number that they have. I see. So do you usually find case that uh, people's investments that they come in with when they originally visit with you or visit with the advisor, that those investments are in alignment with their risk score, or are they typically out of alignment? And if so, are they typically higher risk or lower risk? Yeah, that that's kind of the surprising thing. Um, most of the time... When a new client or we work with a new financial advisor comes and onboards with CLS, 
we find out, um, and I actually look at a lot of client statements before they come on, that their current investment mix does not really match their new CLS risk budget. So they really aren't in alignment typically. Um, and that's not really much of a surprise considering we've had a very strong bull market, very long bull market, you know, seven, eight years here. Um, we see a lot of clients potentially taking on maybe more risk than what they're just comfortable with or maybe more risk than what they uh, they even need right now. So, yeah, once we bring those assets on, we will realign that based on that risk budget, probably sell some stocks, uh, buy some diversifying assets like bonds over there. So it's usually um, usually have to be realigned to some aspect. Okay. Uh, Case, we need to stop for a, a quick break here. When we come back, let's talk about... Uh what keeps you awake at night, and more specifically, why do you use American funds? And talk to us about your portfolio management. Again, we're talking with Case Eichenberger, Portfolio Manager for CLS Investments out of Omaha, Nebraska. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and views of our guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial investment tax or legal professionals prior to investing. And with that, we head back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Case Eichenberger, Portfolio Manager for CLS Investments. So, Case, you are the manager of the American Funds Portfolio. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. So, CLS, um, as an asset manager, we started working with the American Funds um, Fund family from Capital Group in the late 90s, uh, mid-90s here. So, when we started you know, really working with financial advisors and their clients um, early in our inception days, we found that a lot of advisors out there were really loyal to one mutual fund family um, or a couple mutual fund families. And since American Funds is really one of the oldest and largest um, active mutual fund families out there, really every financial advisor we talked to at least had some of their portfolios for their clients in American funds. So it just made sense for us as they looked to try to hire a sub-advisor or use outsource money management from CLS to start building those holistic portfolios of 100% American funds, but build them based on risk budgeting, the risk budgeting framework we talked about earlier. So we started building those in the 90s, um, and they've really grown here um, in the last several years um, up to close to $600 million. So are these diversified portfolios that include fixed income and... um uh, you know, diversified equities, international, uh, etc. Oh yeah, definitely. CLS 
it, it really, we believe in the power of global investment management, diversified and balanced investment management. So we are going to be as diversified, really, as we can be with American funds. Um, and, you know, a lot of people listening to this will really recognize what American Funds is good at, and it's really the fixed income and the stock selection. So um, they don't have any commodities or anything like that, but we've really built these portfolios that will use global stocks. Um, they have most of their American funds can go wherever. They can go overseas if they need to, like Growth Fund of America, for example. Um, but we'll try to really dig deep into what each American fund is holding. That way we don't get surprised and our, our investors don't get surprised um, if we end up holding too much of one stock or too much of one asset class. So, it's yeah, it's really diversified here in the U.S., overseas stocks, um, high-yield bonds, emerging market bonds, and um, just regular corporate bonds for sure. When and why would you change the mix of American fund investments? There, we feel that there's there's a lot of great American funds out there. There's a, but there's also a lot of opportunity between them. We've we've looked at studies here internally that you see you still see a lot of dispersion amongst their just U.S. based mutual funds, um, investment company of America, and so on. So dispersion of returns from any given year. So it still allows us as a professional to add value by trying to pick the right one or, or tilting to the right one. So right now, um, some of the themes that we like as an active manager is, let's just say, value over growth stocks. So it's really maybe selling one of the growth funds, buying more of the value-focused funds. And we like international stocks, so it's maybe selling down some of the domestically-based funds, buying more of the international funds, um, overseas. So there's still plenty of ways we can look and align our outlook to their own funds um, for our investors. So a typical model, I presume you have various models, right, Case? Yeah. Okay, so a typical model is going to hold about how many American funds? Usually between um, 10 to 13. Usually between 10 to 13, yeah. Okay, and you're going to change those out. Uh, you know, you'll change one or two a year. Uh, what it's kind of usually, frequency here? Yeah, it, it's usually about um, 30% turnover. So you usually see maybe um, five t- trades a year, five to seven trades a year on average is, is usually what we say. So really the most recent trades we've been talking about was the growth to value switch last year we made towards the end of the year of removing some of the growth funds completely, which are really some of the more popular funds out there based on assets, and buying more of the value-focused funds. Because as we look at the economy, we believe that we're, we're poised for, for higher growth here in the U.S. and globally. Um, GDP everywhere uh, is really starting to pick up. Value stocks tend to do better um, for those types of environments. So those will be um, some of the examples you see. And and with American funds, they don't really title their funds specifically, this is a growth, this is a value. They're usually a blend of some or the other. Um, So it's really important for us to, 
you know, look at their holdings as, as closely as we can, do our due diligence to make sure that we're um, aligning people correctly. Do you ever, so so you look at fundamental analysis. Are you doing any trend following here when you're making those decisions about changing funds? Yeah, yeah, we do a little bit of um, technical and trend following analysis. Uh, right now, one of the examples, I co-manage a strategy with another individual here, and we've been looking at potentially looking more into value from growth. But the trend for growth this year, as your investors all know it, are very strong for growth. Um, growth has really broke out this year so far for the U.S. Um, and the whole world. So um, some of that trend, we'd be waiting to, to see if it breaks down a little bit to wait until we add more value. So technical trend following is a part of, of our philosophy here on how we select funds and securities, and um, as well as valuations. We always want to try to be um, more of a value manager as well. Okay. And uh, do you ever go to a stronger position in cash? Uh, no. Yeah, that's, that's always a good question that, that um, advisors and investors ask us because um, there's a couple ways to do professional money management, being really tactical and being more strategic. Well, CLS is more on the strategic end. Um, we, we will not take large cash positions in an effort to try to tactically um, time the marketplace. So our clients and our investors and our advisors that look to use CLS they know that they hire us to take on a specific risk um, in the marketplace and really pinpoint that, but still be active around it because, as we all know, um, risks change, opportunities change. So we are active, but we really want to keep invested with our money working for us um, as much as possible for the clients. You know, the million-dollar question here, the big elephant in the room all right, uh, Case, is that uh, for the last several years, it's index investing that has really outperformed uh, active investing. Um, what case can you make, Case, uh, for active investing? Because not only are they selecting American funds, but they're also adding the additional costs of the advisor and the additional costs of um, CLS investments here. Yeah. So w- what case yeah. can you make for the effectiveness of the productivity that you bring to act with active management. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a very big um, industry talking point right now. You're right. So uh, for first, I mean, first and foremost, American funds, is, they do a solid job. We went out and visited them last year in, uh, in L.A. and uh, just really reaffirmed our confidence in them as, as stock selectors and as bond managers. So they do a phenomenal job of adding value over the long run, of course, above an index. Um, but from there, a manager like CLS and a financial advisor, we add value in a lot of different ways. Um, and there's been several studies on this that through rebalancing, through um, behavioral coaching, we all do it to help clients stay invested um, throughout those rocky times, ends up paying for itself um, up and above what they can usually do by themselves. So indexing, yeah, you know, it's it's been really strong these last several years, um, but I would go back and and you still have to look at how clients are using those indexes. And if they happen to trade on the exchanges, clients themselves may be over-trading 
and they may be um, taking on leverage positions. So uh, th- there's still possible ways that they can actually achieve less return than the index they're investing in just by really their old behavioral biases um, that we really try with a financial advisor's help to keep in check. Although those are good points there, uh Case, no question about it. So, Case, a question yeah. like we like to ask all of our guests: What keeps you awake at night? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, and this is this is um, a question that I've gotten before, but it, it's really not what you read on the headlines. It's it's not valuations. It's not interest rates. It's not really politics. Um, all those those all really have an impact on it. Um, but for me. Um, as a manager and a, as a behavioral coach with our clients, it's really just trying to keep our investors calm through all market cycles um, is, is what keeps me awake at night because on any given day, um, you know, there, there may be some impulse for them to increase their risk or take down their risk or run to cash um, based on, you know, maybe something that they read um, in the news, for example. So... For, for myself, it's just trying to keep apprised to what the clients are facing right now and what advisors are facing, and still trying to bring them back to the reason why um, we picked a specific strategy in the first place and why we sp- picked a specific risk budget target in the first place, because this is here for the long term. Um, unless something really materially has changed for these clients, we need to really bring them back, try to bring them back down to earth and and hopefully um, talk them out of making those irrational changes to their accounts. So um, narratives are really on my mind every morning when I wake up of, of just trying to help clients um, stick to the plan that they've identified already. Okay. In case, the second question we'd like to ask each of our guests is, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Yeah, I've read uh, I read my fair number. Um, just like anybody in the industry, I try to read as, as much as possible. Um, but for me, I've been here with CLS for just um, just about ten years, and some of the more writers like Ben Carlson is a good one. He writes a blog, but he wrote a book called um, A Wealth of Common Sense, and it's really trying to take out the complexity around investing and just make it as simple as possible because really that helps investors get to their end goal easier um, is what we both believe there. So it's got a good, a lot of good stuff in there about investor behavior, um, basic market knowledge, um, learning, asset allocation, taxes, etc. So it's really good books for anybody to start out with, um, beginners or um, professionals, just to kind of, you know, bring them back in focus. So mm-hmm. that, that's one. Um, and then I, I'd have to mention, too, also um, CLS's chief investment officer, Rusty Vanneman, wrote a book here that's, that's called A Higher Calling, and, and it really speaks to financial advisors and how they work with clients and, and how they help clients reach those goals. So those are a couple that, that I really enjoyed. Good. Well, those are two that have not been recommended before. So we appreciate that. Yeah. So give us your website for those who would like to know more here, Case. Sure. Yeah, it is www.clsinvest.com. CLS, S as in Samuel. Yep, 
CLS is in Samuel, I-N-V-E-S-T dot com. That's where you can find um, a lot of great commentary that we write on our blog, a lot of good information about risk budgeting and our strategies and how we work with advisors and their clients. Okay. And so final words for our listeners here, Case. Yeah, for me, I think we talk a lot about how important it is to have a plan, um, and it really is for us, you got to have a plan you can stick with. So um, this can really speak to investors and advisors right now. There's really no shortage of shiny new investment strategies or products to invest in. Um, the street is always going to have their influence on putting out new um, examples out there that are going to tempt people to change their plan. But um, really, a plan does no good if you can't stick with it. So you just have to have something um, that you and your financial advisor can help you to uh, stick to your financial plan because nothing really works 100% of the time. So um, doing your due diligence, finding somebody you can trust um, really makes it all the difference in the world. Well, uh, nothing works 100% of the time. We all find that out all too often, don't we? That's right. That's right. So, Case, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. Again, we've been talking with Case Eichenberger, Portfolio Manager for CLS Investments out of Omaha, Nebraska. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com.